Seinfeld, the Muffin Tops is over. It has been for quite some time, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the poster recap, a podcast about nothing. And now here are the two guys who are the personification of Muffin Stumps. I'm Rob Sister. Here's the Kiva Winnegar. Keith, how are you? I've you know, I, I do like the idea of us as human muffin stumps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the part of the muffin that nobody wants. Here we are, ready to talk about what muffin stump are you, Keeve? I think I'm blueberry. Blueberry? I think I'm bran. Are you a bran muffin guy? <laughs> uh, I don't mind a bran muffin. You know, bran muffin is a weird food because it's like, oh, bro, you know, I'm being healthy, bran muffin. But, you know, it's probably like, you know, 550 calories and it's like. Uh, yeah, right. People think muffins are healthy. Also, muffins are getting bigger. So, mm-hmm. you know, like a today's muffin was like four muffins in 1984. Right. So brand muffin uh, is good, but I don't think it's actually a healthy thing. Maybe one of our medical correspondents could correct us on this, but muffins uh, are delicious. Well, I don't know if they could correct that. That's a fact. Yes. Uh, Keeve, I know you're a big pie guy. Are you a big muffin guy? Are you a muffin over cupcake guy? Yeah, I am muffin over, over cupcake. I used to eat like a blueberry muffin every day from like a health store. And I'm sure similar to the non-fat yogurt. Like if I sent that over to a lab, there would have been like 1200 calories in that muffin. But, uh, you know, it felt good. I, I enjoyed the the low fat muffins every day. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the low fat, but still very high in the calories uh, with the muffin. I think that that's uh, that's the thing. Yeah. Muffin, though, it's not really a dessert. It's more of like a breakfast cake. Right. Not a dessert. It can be your very small breakfast meal. I agree. Um, you could also it could be like a dessert after lunch, though, a muffin. Yeah, you could. And I don't think you can eat. You can't eat a muffin after like five o'clock. I feel like it's weird. If you own a muffin shop, it's closed at five. (laughs) That's right. You can't wash down dinner with a muffin. You could have like ice cream or something. No muffin. I don't think so. Then go for a cupcake. Then, you know, and you wouldn't eat a cupcake for breakfast. Right. If you're if you're eating cupcake for breakfast, that's like a that's a sign that your day is going to get off. Like it's going to be you got nothing going on that day, basically. (laughs) It's a great day, but also maybe like. Your life is in shambles. And there's really a very small window during the day when you could go, uh, do I go muffin or cupcake right now? That's like 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock? See, I think some of that's early. I feel like maybe like two to six is uh, the small, I, I maybe go from 12 to six. That's the uh, crossover of muffin cupcake time. I also, if you eat a muffin and a cupcake together, that's very bizarre. <laughs> Nobody's ever done that before. That's not a thing. No one's ever done it. If you <laughs> want to be the first person to ever do that, let us know how it goes. Okay, so here we are talking about a uh, a fun episode, uh, The Muffin Tops. It does get a little bit cray uh, towards uh, the end here. We do have some wacky stuff going on here in The Muffin Tops. Do you want? Well, I don't have any Seinfeld news, but can I give you a little podcast news-ish type podcast thing? Podcast about quickly? this podcast? No, just about podcasts in general. Okay. A funny tweet about podcasts. Go for it. So. So a woman named Emily Bell, she's a journalist. She tweeted that there's yes. four different podcast genres. You saw this tweet? Yeah, somebody sent it, did send it to me. Uh, so number one is men going on about things. I feel like we that's us, right? We're number one. Well, I'm not sure necessarily. Uh, let's hear all four of the categories. Okay, fine. Two is whispery crime. Yeah, that's not us. Three is millennials talking over each other. And four is should be 20 minutes shorter. Yeah, I think that we're one and four. We're definitely one. We're definitely four. I feel like if we were a couple years younger, we'd definitely be three. Yeah. And so in theory, you could combine like if we ever did a podcast about like, you know, a crime on Seinfeld, we could hit all four if we ever got younger. Yeah, maybe we'll do it about the finale. We'll do a whole serial about the uh, finale of Seinfeld. We'll get Sarah Kane again to like analyze (laughs) the uh, 
the yeah. Good Samaritan law. Keeve, are you in on S-Town? I, you know, I started it and I fell asleep during it and uh, I have not gotten, you know, I've heard such mixed things. I, I might get back into it, but I haven't decided yet. What about you? No, I didn't start it. I didn't hear enough buzz. What about Richard Simmons? I, 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 I listened to the whole Richard Simmons, but it really petered out. He, he basically got shamed into pretending like it was always going to be a five episode podcast, mm-hmm. which was clearly a lie. Because yeah. when he started, he's like, I don't know how long this is going to go. Send me your theories. Uh, and then like the back, the first two episodes were like, this is the best podcast ever. And then by the third one, everyone was like, oh, there's a ninety nine and a half percent chance that he's just like when he got to the witches stuff. Everyone assumed like, oh, yeah, there, there's almost 100 percent chance he just doesn't want to be bothered for whatever reason. Yeah, I didn't get and that. This far. is like really intrusive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, so so you didn't like it. You're saying I thought it was OK. I just felt like, OK, this is it is what it is. Like I didn't, you know, get sort of like, oh, this he, is so it was clear. Like, w- yeah. Where on Serial, everyone assumed, like, ooh, maybe there'll be a real great twist ending. It was very clear when he asked for, like, help at the beginning, at the end of episode one, that there was nothing major coming and you could really check out. Like, you, you heard all you... He would also... Stre- he would do this trick. Listen, you say what you will about this podcast, but we give you two hours of mediocre content every week. The... The that, you know, he stretched 30, you know, four minutes of stuff into 30 minutes every week. That guy <laughs> yeah. was like, t- find out what the neighbor says next week on Finding Richard Simmons. Yeah. And look, hey, we're at episode 155 here uh, and uh, we're still going. Look, he'll, we did 150 more episodes in this Richard Simmons podcast. Yeah, we're crushing that guy. <laughs> and we've never I could like I, I could see you at Slimmons also at the like the exercise place. Yes. All right, Keeve. If he ever comes back. Uh, so let's uh, start to talk about uh, the muffin tops. Okay. Again, this is the penultimate episode of season number eight. Yep. Just this in the summer, George, and we're on to the final season. Episode uh, 155 of uh, the series. And of course, uh, written by uh, Spike. Spike Ferriston. Yeah. Soup Nazi fame. Yes. Okay. And Muffin Top fame. He loves uh, any sort of uh, what does uh, small business that is selling snacks. A su- I mean, a soup a snack? Uh, go what would you call road? it? Well, I, I, it's, I just, it's a food. Yeah, just food. Okay. All right. Original air date, May 8th, 1997. Keith, do you remember where you were when you watched the Muffin Top? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure for most of these final 25 or so episodes, I was in my room alone watching Uh, (laughs) like I didn't. But by the time Curb comes around, I had made some friends like I had a friend who would come over every week for Curb uh, and then for for uh, the Ali G G show, which I think sometimes ran concurrently with Curb. Yeah. Um, But I was definitely my my no one in my family like Seinfeld. My dad like actively hated Jerry Seinfeld. Why? Uh, He said his voice is too whiny. Mm. My dad really didn't like him. So there was no one to watch with me. So I, I was watching alone. Luckily, I had a TV in my room. So I didn't have to like fight for, you know, mm-hmm. what like to watch with anyone. But yeah, I was definitely watching this alone you, on TV May 8th. And a treadmill? The treadmill didn't come until uh, I, until I was going to get married and I wanted to lose weight for my wedding. Okay. So what is that? Like a year after Seinfeld ended then? Basically. <laughs> but yeah, this is, uh, this is uh, the end of eighth grade and I'm... I'm uh, home alone watching the muffin tops. Okay. So the episode starts off with a tag that actually has to do with the episode. Uh, Jerry and George are on the street. A guy comes over, says to George, hey, do you mind watching my bag? And then walks away. And then Jerry is sort of like incredulous of, so what do we have to just stand here? I mean, there's no worse thing in the world, right, than a stranger asking you to watch something with no, like, does it ever happen nowadays? I guess in the airport, sometimes like, 
You just have too big of a bag to no, bring into no, the No, 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 no. At the, the airport, this is like, you know, you alert security at this point. This is like now post 9-11. If you see something, say something. You're not even allowed to do this. Like, I mean, maybe a woman could say, can you like watch my purse for a second? But you can't just leave luggage somewhere. I'll tell you where I maybe you have a different a than cop you. You when this happens. I'll tell you where I have a different than you. Because I walk around a lot of times with a yarmulke, I feel like that opens up any yarmulke or I guess a woman. So like any Orthodox person to like come and ask you for like a minor favor Oh, when you're in Publix. So I, I you know, I, I maybe that's what it is. Because I know I've been asked many times. ask t- for minor favors also? Sure. Oh, totally. Totally. I feel like it's a zero sum game though, Keith. I can say like, hey, can you watch my bag? And we're on the same team. I know they're going to like watch my bag. Yeah, boy. I but, I but I feel like I'm never, I would never ask. Like I'm always the askee, not the asker. Yeah, you end up, you're watching a lot of bags. But it's like, it's like if we were both wearing like, uh, you know, Sunni Oswego shirts. And I'm sure that's a club. You know, you, <laughs> if you went to Oswego, everyone knows. You would like, never you know, ask you, anybody from Oswego to you, do something responsible for you. You, you, you flash that. I, I, I was going to say something mean and I won't. Um. <laughs> The the but you know you flash them the O like the Van Buren boy sign yeah. and and they know like you're on you know that's like skull and bones almost yes yeah. we go sign all right so George says okay let me ask another guy he asks somebody else uh, can you watch this bag and he says why so I can stand here like an idiot not knowing if you ever come back uh, and then uh, Jerry goes off and says uh, he's gonna go be friends uh, with this guy. George does look inside the bag, which is also pretty weird. No, that he looks inside the bag. Like, yeah, I, I, I have no problem with George leaving the bag. Right. I, I think it's well with after about 12 minutes, he can reasonably leave the bag. And it's probably before the see something, say something era where they're not going to call in. Oh, it certainly is. Yeah. Like no one's going to assume it's a bomb in, in 1996 or 97 that he can definitely leave it. Taking it is insane. And even more insane, George shows up in the next scene at Monk's and he is wearing the clothes that he has new clothes. And Jerry says, uh, I noticed some wear on the buttocks of those chinos, which is a, a weird thing to say to your friend. And the guy never came back. So George is wearing them. And we just get all these comments about how these are like tourist clothes. Why did George start wearing this guy's clothes? I do think that the scene needs like just a one line from George. Like, I'm sick of my clothes. I'm going to wear his. And it would have made sense, right? I mean, something of maybe, uh, you know, I need to do laundry and this was easier than going to do. Like, there's no explanation why George is wearing these tourist clothes. Uh, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like, George, he says, like, I went shopping. So I guess he's implying, like, yeah, I wanted new clothes or it's cool to have these clothes. Maybe he's just going to do it once as a lark until he gets spotted, you know, and assumed to be a tourist. Yeah. So George starts asking Jerry about ear hair, uh, which sort of sparks this conversation about body hair uh, in the episode, which is going to be a major factor in the Jerry storyline. Yeah. The, I mean, the ear hair storyline to, you know, this to me is this is the weak link of the episode. OK, uh, well, we will talk about that in great detail. Uh, George is has been promoted that he's the new Wilhelm coming out of last week's episode. So this is like a big bump for Costanza. Yeah, I mean, it's a serious job, especially there is a, you know, the, the line that follows where when Jerry says, who's the new you? And he basically says it's a high school intern who comes once a week. To show like how unimportant George's job was. And it was like a joke, like in the media, even like the assistant to the traveling secretary. It's just a funny idea of a job. Yeah. Um, 
But the idea, yeah, George, yeah, this is like a double salary bump, it sounds like. Yeah, so pretty good. And now here comes the woman that is Jerry's girlfriend. Her name is Alex. Uh, George and Jerry have sort of like a weird exchange uh, about her, about how, uh, you know, George is like, where do you keep meeting these women? And he points to his chest and says, try opening this up. You'll find the biggest dating scene in the world. What is Jerry talking about here? George's heart? Open up your heart? Yeah, it's a weird line. I think maybe it's a, it's like a minor response to the, you know, sort of the joking of how does, how does, you know, Jerry have this beautiful woman every single week? And so maybe they're just acknowledging it and trying to be a tiny bit meta. But I agree, this back and forth doesn't make any sense. I mean, the whole episode then takes a turn later about Jerry's chest and shaving his chest. And he's pointing to his chest here. Is there any connection there? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think at all. All right. So going back to Jerry's apartment, uh, Kramer is there by himself. He's going through the cushions of Jerry's couch. Uh, we never really find out why. Turns out that Jerry is in the shower and Elaine is going to come in. She needs to tell Kramer that the stories that Kramer had for the Peterman book, she used them anyway, even though Peterman said he that Kramer could have them back. Uh, right. The status of the stories was that he sold them and then he did he give him the money back? It was never clear in the episode, right? Uh, I don't think that Kramer gave the money back. I think that Peterman just said you could have your stories back. We don't need them. Elaine was going to like that. She had the stories that actually were Kramer's about this pants story. Right. <laughs> uh, but in theory, like Peterman did still pay for them because we were assuming he didn't get the money back. And therefore, he does have the rights to the stories, technically. Yeah, I think that the stories that Elaine gave him were still Kramer stories, but Peterman didn't know they were Kramer stories. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, she's still using them without without Peterman's knowledge is essentially what happens. Right. So she tells Kramer and Kramer is very excited because he feels like, OK, finally, he's part of popular culture and he's very excited to go down to Walden Books for the book signing. Walden Books, uh, long out of business? The, when he says Walden Books, my only thought, and I didn't Google it, but my only thought was like, oh man, like this 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 advertising bump definitely does not help him. Like they for sure, yeah, I, you know, the Wikipedia page is in past tense, so they're definitely out of business. Yeah, ceased operations was, July 18th, 2011. So they had a good run. They had a good run. It was founded in 1933. So yeah, the internet really kind of screwed them over. There was a Walden Books near my house. It's it, Walden Books was like, an all book version of Borders, like Borders had CDs and other things. That's what one books was just like hard. Borders diversified hardcore books. Yeah, and also doesn't exist anymore. Oh, Borders is also done. What's Barnes and Noble yeah. doing so good then? I mean, they had the Nook that kept them around for a while. Yeah, I was reading a uh, financial article at, for work about Barnes and Nobles, and they're like, the, one of the reasons they lost money year over year is because the adult coloring book craze of 2015 did not last so like if the company is relying on adult coloring books to like actually impact their bottom line yeah uh, you know i'm selling that stock which is probably like a penny stock an anyway, adult not coloring it. book is a coloring book that is for grown-ups or it is a coloring book of erotica no uh it is for grown-ups so okay. it's like a stress reliever okay. it was a big thing for like a minute and apparently it, it you know it was a big deal for uh Barnes and Nobles, which is scraping and clawing. Okay. I, you know, the erotica coloring book uh, craze has not hit yet. I don't know if it'll ever hit. Barnes <laughs> and Nobles acquired Borders trademarks and customer lists. 
Yeah. Um, but it no longer exists. Okay. So 1,249 stores to zero. It's, it's pretty crazy. Kramer is uh, really hopped up to go down to Walden Books. He goes and finds Jerry in the shower. A lot of Jerry shower scenes in this episode. And uh, he goes in and Jerry just starts screaming. Uh, this is not what I wanted. Uh, the audio on it does not really. Uh, I don't think they nailed it, but it is funny. What do you think was wrong with the audio? Uh, it just sounded like uh, I I thought it sounded like something that was like recorded later. Like it did not sound like that they um, like like it was from Jerry coming from the bathroom. Yeah, I think that's right. I don't think he was in there because we don't see him in that scene, right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, we end up with and uh, they head out to uh, go to Walden Books. We see Elaine catching up with Mr. Lipman, a Mr. Lipman sighting. When was the last time we saw Lipman? Um, I think it was, what was it, the season finale of season, I want to say season f- three? Wow, it's been that long? No, 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 no sorry. Season, are we, I, I want season four? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, we see, Yeah, we see him at the end of the opposite. Okay. So... What's that? Season right, so five yeah, so finale. That, that's the season five finale. So end of season five. But he starts in season three. OK, so it's been a minute since uh, we've seen Lipman and uh, he is working. Uh, he is the publisher for this book. How does Elaine, the author or the ghostwriter of this book, not know that Lipman is the publisher of the book? Right. I mean, he just works for the book. Right. But but like, I mean, he just works for the company. He doesn't like own what was the name of the company? Like Pendant Publishing or something? Pundant like, Publishing. Yeah. Pundant Publishing. Yeah. But so what does he say his title is? Is he the editor? He, he just says, says he works for them. Yeah, I, think. I work for Pundant Publishing. This is our book. So it's possible he's just like a like a lackey there. Again, he's willing to like abandon them to open up a muffin top store that week. Yeah. <laughs> unless unless this unless this episode takes place over the course of a year but he does have the disposable so. income to be able to do that right because he used to run a company but i you know he maybe he's like one of these like part-time you know inflated salary employees but he wasn't the editor on the book so elaine might not know that he works for them yeah what do you think of the title of peterman's uh book uh no placket required that's no, that's the title of the book yes oh i just thought you know that's funny i always thought it was just like on the sign in the store i didn't realize that's the the title. Um, I, I I always have to look up what placket is. Yeah, a placket, according to Wikipedia, which has an act, unlike Walden Books, has an active Wikipedia. A placket is an opening in the upper part of a trouser or skirt at the neck or sleeve of a garment. Okay. They allow a clothing to be put on or removed easily, uh, but sometimes are purely a design element. Uh, I will forget that by tomorrow. <laughs> okay. So Elaine and Lippman are talking and uh, that Lippman, uh, that he uh, opines that every, uh, you know, half wit and sitcom star has a book these days. Yeah, I feel like uh, Lippman would have hated YouTube vlogs and like the Kardashians. <laughs> he would not have loved it. Pundit Publishing uh, would not have been uh, very high on that. So... Kramer ends up getting to the front of the line with Peterman and uh, he ends up sitting down and uh, that he is going to start signing the book. Also, he says, I'm the real Peterman. It is pretty funny like that when he plops himself down. It's actually a pretty good scene. Yeah. Uh, Peterman tells him, all right, playtime's over. And I like when Kramer says, relax, man, there's enough juice to keep us all fat and giggly. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So then... Elaine is back with 
Mr. Lippman, and somebody is complaining about somebody ate the top off of a muffin. Elaine says, that was me. I'm sorry. I don't like the stumps. First off, I mean, how heinous is it that Elaine took a muffin, took the top part off, and then put the other half of the muffin back? That's bad, right? It's weird. Like, if you wanted half a muffin and you cut it down the middle, it doesn't bother me so much because... With a like knife. it's your muffin to cut with a knife. Yeah, with a knife. When with a knife. We see several times in the episode Elaine manhandling these muffins. Yeah, you know, in, in the word manhandle, you have the word manhandle. <laughs> yeah, so she like. Really I don't mean to them. imply that Elaine has man hands. No. Uh, yeah, that basically, if you had man hands, manhandled could go as anything. Yeah, but I agree. It's especially for a classy broad like Elaine. This is the, she should be cutting this muffin. Right, and so yeah, that. She loves the top of the muffin. Uh, She sort of makes an eloquent, poetic pitch about how uh, the top of the muffin, it's the best part. It's crunchy. It's explosive. It's where the muffin breaks free of the pan and makes, uh, does its own thing. She says, that's a million dollar idea right there. Um, Yeah. I mean, I guess this is like the nowadays equivalent of like, I have a great idea for an app. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So meanwhile, we end up seeing uh, George on the street. People are uh, bumping into him, almost knocking him over. Uh, Is there such a thing as tourist bullying, Keeve? I think nowadays there probably is. Tourist bullying, that people look like tourists and people are just rude to them? Again, but New York gets a bad rap. I feel like New Yorkers help tourists when, uh, when, you know, when when they're in distress. Okay. And Marianne from the Visitor Center, uh, she spots George. Again, this is like a small town, right? Like the Visitor Center. Oh, the New York City Visitor Center. Like, I walk over every tourist and make sure they're okay. Yes. Uh, She says, oh, where are you visiting from? Because he's still wearing the tourist clothes. Little Rock, Arkansas. And now uh, George has a uh, new friend. Uh, Meanwhile, back at Jerry's apartment, he is shaving and he looks at his chest and he looks down and we see him with the razor. Then we see him very upset when he's talking to Kramer. He can't concentrate on what Kramer has to say. Yeah, well, he missed the spot, right? He missed the spot. And so Kramer is going on about how Peterman forcibly ejected him like he was on a United Airlines flight. And uh, Jerry says uh, something's wrong or nothing's wrong. Uh, and Kramer presses him. and He says, I did something stupid. And he says he notices an asymmetry in the chest hair. And next thing he knew, it was gone. I mean, everyone's been there shaving, right? Where they're like like sideburns or something. You're always trying to even something out. And it's like, oh, now I just got to get rid of everything. Sure. Facially, sure. Uh, that is, uh, you know, that that's an issue. So Jerry here ends up uh, going with a razor and shaving his whole chest. Now, again... That the show is with Jerry, chest, chest, chest. Should we assume that Jerry stopped at the equator, Keeve? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, when Kramer takes off his robe later, you don't know what they're looking at, right? Right. So I don't know, like, if you're implying, like, the whole thing, but they don't want to say it for some reason. I want to say that he did not stop at the equator. Yeah, I mean, it does seem weird that he's dating this woman and she thinks he's like a naturally hairless, uh, chested guy. It would seem weird if, you know, I feel like that there would be like a real distinction between what he shaved and what he didn't shave. Um, it, it's it's an interesting question. Should we add that to the list of questions to ask Jerry Seinfeld? We can add it. We can add it to the list. It's a good question, uh, but I also am pretty confident in the answer. Okay. Um, 
Keeve, uh, were there a lot of manscaping questions in the mailbag? I don't know if there are any. I, I feel like the the listeners let us <laughs> they, down. They, were, they were not that curious. Yeah, I guess maybe. Yeah, that's probably the reason. Yeah, and I, I don't think a single person. Um, no, nobody. Maybe Chester touched on it a little bit, but I don't, there weren't a lot of like, hey, do, what would you guys policies on on yeah, manscaping. nobody was like you know what i'd like to know from uh Robin? i think two people wrote in two people wrote in and said please don't discuss this <laughs> okay all right so the don'ts have it <laughs> okay uh so jerry's defense to kramer he says uh well women do it and uh kramer very mocking yeah again this this doesn't this doesn't fly for for the post-gender society it, you know this is like the whole thing is like, ooh, you're a girl if you do this, Jerry. Yeah, Kramer says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll pick you up a sundress and a parasol, and you could just sashay your pretty little self around the town square. Kramer, if that's what Jerry wants, then he can do that. Don't make fun of him. Yes. And so Jerry says, don't tell anybody. And then George walks in, and Kramer says, uh, Jerry shaved his chest. Yeah, I mean, we've established that Kramer is atrocious at keeping secrets. Yeah. Okay. So we... Go back to now. Jerry is now on the date with Alex and he starts off about um, a horse and they say, oh, you couldn't pay me to ride a horse. And then she says, how about the beach this weekend? And he says, you couldn't pay me to go to the beach, right? Like, uh, it feels like that. I understand why he doesn't want to go to the beach. Like, it feels weird that he was talking about the horse. Yeah, that doesn't really lead anywhere. You think like, oh, maybe they're like bickering because they're going to break up and and she's going to think that Jerry's like. Not up for anything. Yes. But, well, it really reminds me of myself also. Like, anytime anybody asks me about something, like, no, it literally, no. like, put a price on it that I will not go there. So she spots a dog, a Mexican hairless. Uh, she starts petting it. The dog looks petrified, by the way. Yeah. I mean, it's such a specific casting call that you might not get, like, this is no lassie, this dog. It's not a dog with acting experience. Yeah. And so uh, she says, wow, Mexican hairless. Uh, that's where it's at. She likes the hairless dog. Um, so yeah. smooth and clean. Much smoother and cleaner. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So then Elaine is on the street. She sees somebody eating a muffin top. Uh, and she says, uh, like, hey, what are you doing? Uh, is that a, are you eating a muffin top? He's like, yeah, that's what I just said. And so Elaine goes into the store that sells them and spots Mr. Lipman. Now, even if you had like $50 billion. I don't know if you could get the store up and running in like the day or two that he got it up and running. Yeah. Like if, if, if you were Apple and you wanted to start this store, you know, for your employees, I don't think you could do it that quickly, even if money was no object. Yeah. Short of being a contestant on The Apprentice and it's like, all right, tomorrow you're going to open up a store and you're selling muffins. I, like, I don't know how you get a storefront up in 24 hours. Yeah. In Manhattan with a kitchen like. You know, that that's allowed to be open, you know, that that has like licenses and permits and stuff like someone open, tries to open a restaurant in the city. It's like 18 months a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Could there have been an existing bakery in this spot? Lipman comes in and buys them out and rebrands overnight. I mean, that has that has to be the only realistic solution. But even then, in real life, we're talking a month or two. Yeah, very unrealistic. But in the context of Seinfeld, you know, it, it is. What yeah, it, is. Th it won't be the least realistic thing in this episode. <laughs> I think we can guarantee that. Yeah. OK, so George is up at Jerry's apartment and he is telling Jerry about the caper of pretending to be a tourist. Um, I mean, in fairness, this is definitely one of George's best schemes. Like have a relationship. It's going to end anyway. This is such a good idea. So 
he's explaining it's beautiful. She makes all the plans. Um, there's no messy breakup. And so he asks, Jerry asks George, uh, so what about your apartment? He says uh, that he moved into a hotel. Yeah, obviously in 2017, he just has to take the pictures down from the wall. And he could say this is, uh, Airbnb. This is an Airbnb. Yeah. Yeah, easy. Yeah, that would be easier. I do like when Jerry questions him and George says, well, I don't know anyone here, Jerry. Where else am I going to stay? Yeah. I mean, you almost think in this episode, you're almost waiting for him to run into Estelle and Frank <laughs> and then him have to pretend like he doesn't know them. Yeah. Um, so then Jerry is explaining about how Alex uh, went wild for this hairless dog. If she likes one hairless animal, why not another? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's okay logic. If she likes dogs with no hair, why not people? Yeah. And now George says, oh, really? You tell her you shaved it? Now, I didn't think that this was a odd word choice. Uh, you shaved it. Yeah, I guess it's weird. But I don't know what would the big, what kind of a big deal would have been just to tell her. Well, I feel like that that's an odd thing to bring up in any conversation. Hey, do you know I shaved my chest? Right. And it's too early in the relationship. We're <laughs> like, assuming. We don't know how long it's been. She'd dating. be like, why are you telling me this? Right. I'm sure she'll obviously find out at some point if she is not already. Yeah. But it, it does feel like an odd thing to, you know, interject into the conversation. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and Jerry says, I don't want her to think I'm one of those low rise brief guys who shaves his chest. Uh, now, who are these low rise brief guys? Are they like the orgy guys? <laughs> they might. It might be the same guys as the orgy guys or they're like running the same circles. I don't even know what a low rise brief is. I guess like people who like almost have like the plumbers crack going. I'm not sure. Um, but in, I mean, low rise speaks to in uh, the front, no? Yeah, but what? Yeah, what does this even mean? Low rise. I don't even know what's a low rise brief. Low rise brief. Uh, I don't. I don't really. Uh, I don't know. It's just that the band doesn't go that high. I, I don't really know. Uh, what's the uh, the low rise? Okay. Yeah, I have no idea either. It's weird. Okay, I think it's uh, I think it's more like a uh, a bikini brief uh, for men as opposed to like I think it's more like a speedo than like a uh, like a brief like a tidy whitey. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, uh, I have to delete my browser history uh, after this. <laughs> I forgot to go in. Throw your computer out the window. Yeah. By the way, what what's what's the um. Speaking of throwing things out the window, what's the postscript to the person out the window from last week's podcast? The person out the window. Oh, yeah. The, so the tree branches. Yeah. That the gardener. I, I don't know if they were instructed to or what, that they had like this tool and they were just like cutting branches down. Oh, so that was it, it, they were allowed like your wife or someone let them do it. I have no idea because I, I didn't think she was home. Uh, I don't know if she instructed them uh, to, uh, to do that or they just make that call on their own. Yeah. So, uh, I guess, I guess you have a lot of leeway as a gardener. No one, no one's going to like call your stuff on the, uh, on what you're chopping down. Right. Right. So who knows? Uh, I try not to think about like, uh, these, uh, different vendors that my wife is, uh, is, uh, hiring for different projects. Yeah. Um, it's don't get me started on, on this. <laughs> All right. So, uh, then, uh, we hear a horn, Kramer has a bus, and uh, he is starting the Peterman reality tour. Now, Keeve, uh, we have touched on at least uh, tangentially back when the Peterman book was happening, right? About the uh, Peterman reality bus tour or the Kramer, the real life Kenny Kramer bus tour. Yeah, we definitely discussed that a bunch at the beginning of the series. Yeah. I, and we also discussed uh, Kenny Kramer also um, at some yes. point also. 
Yeah. Um, would you ever be interested in the Kenny Kramer bus tour? I mean, ironically, if we were ever like in the city together and we're like, hey, listeners, we're getting together. and Should we're all that going be the out. finale? Just, Should we record the finale podcast on the Kenny Kramer bus tour? I think I think <laughs> you really kind of like that's almost too good. The problem is he's he's going to like charge us like 50 grand for it. I feel like. Yeah. We'll be like, hey, stop talking like, uh, well, we have to sort of like be like wearing a wire so he doesn't know that we're doing the podcast. I it's possible. I also like I'm not 100 percent sure it still exists. Like, I don't know exactly, you so know, I tried as looking. As of uh, 2013, I know it still existed. I mean, you can email him. It's Kramer at KenKramer.com. Yeah. <laughs> he answers all his own email. Just write to him. Um, I, I, you know, I looked on, on Twitter. I, I didn't do a long search, but uh, there weren't a lot of people saying, oh, I, you know, I, I've been on this since about 2014. Yeah. So. But on his website, which is like very like a 2000 website, like a 1999 website. He has not updated the like the, you know, the technical aspects of it since then. Yeah. He does have like a 2017 uh, come. Tickets are at 37.50. Still. Saturdays at noon, Sundays and Saturdays on select weekends. Okay. So my guess is there's only a couple a year. Yeah. Seems like he's just doing uh, the uh, Saturday and Sunday. And let's see. Uh, so, yes, yeah, Saturday, September 9th, Keeve. It's all it's all coming to a head. Winter hiatus. How much would we have to pay Kenny Kramer for like a private tour? Oh, if we, how many people do we get? I mean, he'll do it for yeah. You know, so if if you watch the inside look, yeah, um, they you know they were clearly like they did it. They clearly didn't hate him enough. This is free publicity for him, clearly. Mm-hmm. But they were very, I'd say, like annoyed slash like you know eye rolling at Kenny Kramer. Yeah. Except for Michael Richards, who actively hated him. Yes, but then I felt like he was uh, he was nice to him by the end of it. Yeah, but I, you know, Michael Richards is even though he's working on a sitcom, like the most serious guy on earth. Like he takes things so seriously. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He was a little bit like you know he wanted to monetize a picture of me. Who cares? Yeah. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> that's a possibility of. Us we're gonna need our own i can't do saturdays but okay we you know if we get our own ride then if everyone's in then we'll yeah we'll do the us and the Romney. listeners you know we all put down our 3750 and then uh how many people would we need for, to make it worth uh kenny kramer's time 10 i mean i guess we'll ask it looks like a group of 10 they get a discount so yeah. there is 84 reviews on TripAdvisor. only one is not excellent or very good okay I, i'm just he good. drives the bus i feel like this is very dangerous that's, yeah, he must have a driver. Okay. I hope so. I don't know if I trust Tim I mean, Kramer driving me around the whole day. I mean, listen, he's been doing this for so long. I feel like if people... Yeah, you know, but he's going to get into an there, accident. Keeve. How old is he? <laughs> I mean, the real Kramer is uh, at least uh, 60 now, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he looks old. And remember, he's Larry's contemporary, so he might even be a little older. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll look into it. That's on the table. Yes, we're consi- we're considering it. Sure. Okay. All right. So then uh, we go back to uh, Elaine with uh, Lipman, and uh, that she's uh, upset. You stole my idea. Uh, let me. I, I I'm looking at pictures on the TripAdvisor. Yeah. There is a driver in a Jets hat, and he is uh, not driving. So. Kenny does not drive the uh, bus. Okay, great. Uh, just one other thing on the bus tour that you bring it back. Uh, that Jerry has a great line where he says, "The last thing this guy is qualified to give is a tour of reality." Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's which funny. Is very funny. Okay, so Elaine is saying that. Look, this was my idea. Lipman says that uh, ideas are in the air, 
uh, that really nobody owns them. Elaine says, when it's coming out of my face and it's my air, then it's my idea. Yeah, I mean, it is her idea. Like, there's no question. I don't, like, I don't know how intellectual property works here. We need, we need a lawyer on the case. Well, I do feel like that this idea of intellectual property, the intellectual property of intellectual property, uh, is sort of like a theme across these uh, two stories between Elaine and uh, what's going on with Kramer. That's true. Yeah. You know, whose idea, who owns a concept, you know, who's the owner of a story. Uh, If somebody says something at a party, but somebody else like goes and opens up a store, Elaine wasn't going to open up a muffin top store. Uh, All interesting topics. Um, yeah, no, it, I, like Chester's not a, a uh, an IP lawyer, so we don't, you know, we need a real lawyer here. Yeah. Okay. So George is at his uh, favorite tourist coffee shop uh, with Marianne. Um, she's asking about his accent uh, that he doesn't have. And she talks about how, you know, this isn't working. At some point, he's going to go back to his job at Tyler Chicken uh, with the three-legged uh, dog, Willie. Yeah, this is almost like racist against Arkansas people. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, is, you know, uh, is that the real chicken uh, plant? Is that where that is? Well, they wanted to use the actual name of Tyson Chicken yes. and Tyson Chicken didn't let them, which I think in hindsight probably cost them like $100 million worth of advertising. Right. But they were upset about the alcoholic chicken line, I think. Really? Yeah, that's the CEO was not happy about it. But um. So they yeah, they switched it from Tyson Chicken to yeah, Tyler They're still Chicken. around. I don't think it hurt them. Listen, they could have been bigger than McDonald's if not for this, you know, <laughs> missing the show. Okay. So uh, George is uh, a little upset about that. Um, and George says that I think I'm going to move here. How about, what do you think of that? She says, George, th- no offense, the city would eat you alive. No, it would. It's true. Yeah. We will see that later on in the episode. All right. So Jerry and George are back together. And George uh, tells Jerry he's thinking of moving to New York. Fake moving to New York. Yes. Yes. Um, And uh, Jerry asks, well, what is it she thinks you can't do? Uh, Find a job, get an apartment. So George is basically going to recreate his entire life uh, just to impress her. Uh, Here comes Kramer. He has brochures for the real Peterman reality bus tour. I wonder how like well this tour did when the show was actually on. I feel like it must have done pretty well. It probably did pretty well. I mean, they probably did it like every day during like the height of it. Now they just do it on the weekend. If you walk around Manhattan now, there's a lot of they have like the Sex and the City one. They might have a Friends one. There's like a bunch of different ones. You get accosted when you walk into like the 40s, like the mid, mid, like the mid 40s, like. You get accosted by people like trying to sell you these tours. Okay, so Kramer says uh, he's only charging thirty-seven fifty, which is that's how much it still is, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, I wonder if like was was it which thirty-seven fifty came first? Was was Kenny Kramer charging thirty-seven fifty first, or was it thirty-seven fifty in the episode, and that's what it became for Kenny Kramer? Right. I think probably it was like sixty bucks, and then he. You know, he didn't have a lot of takers and he realized, like, oh, it should, it should be the exact same as the episode. Yeah. OK. And you get pizza bagel and dessert. Yeah. The the mini uh, Twix bar. Three Musketeers. Yeah. Just like the real Peterman eats, which Kramer explains. No, he's the real Peterman. So uh, on on the Kenny Kramer tour, are, are, you, are you seeing the things from Seinfeld? Or are you seeing things from Kenny Kramer's actual life? The on the on the actual tour not not the not the yeah 
tour like, within are, the episode. Are you going by, oh, here's where me and Larry used to, you know, really eat breakfast. I think both. I think you're probably going to like their old apartment building, but I, you're definitely going to Tom's restaurant. You're definitely going to uh, like the soup, the soup man, which is the soup Nazi. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like he does a little bit of stand up or something. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Like he takes you to some sort of theater. He's like on stage in some of these pictures. I mean, I hope he, um, t- you know, uh, like uh, can lower the volume while we're doing the podcast. Yeah. Well, we, well look again, we're going to need him to pipe down a little bit. <laughs> um, he also seems like a very normal, calm guy who will have no problem acquiescing to our demands. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, do we want to get his take on the finale also? Oh, totally. Yes. We want to get his take on the finale. He's going to be the third wheel. He's going to be the third guy. Yeah, can we stop and pick up Chester for uh, when he does his feedback? That would be funny if we if we just like would drive around like picking up random people like go to pick up Chester, pick up Amir, probably in like New Jersey or something. Uh, like I would drive to Vancouver for Johnny D. Silvera. <laughs> it's a long ride. I got nothing better to do. Do you? Uh, well, I mean, that is on the other side of Canada. It's not even like we're just going right across the border. <laughs> we'll meet you halfway in Toronto, Johnny. Okay. Uh, so George tries to explain what the Peterman tour is uh, to Kramer. Uh, he says, uh, but your life is Peterman's. The bus tour, which is real, takes you to places while they're real. They're not real in the sense that they really happen to the real Peterman, which is you. Yeah, no, it's definitely confusing. Yeah. And Makes my head hurt. Jerry says, yeah, I understand. Thirty-seven fifty for a three musketeers and a pizza bagel, Jerry. <laughs> I wonder, okay. But this isn't like a lot of these tours are like hop on, hop, hop off. Yeah. But, um, you know, like I feel like this one, you could hop off probably. But you yeah. if you pay the thirty-seven fifty, you can get off anytime you want, I think. Right. But you but I don't know if you could just hop on. All right. Elaine is with Mr. Lipman at Monk's and business is bad. Nobody likes the muffin tops. Uh, Elaine is sort of like hemming and hawing. He says that he will give her 30% of profits. And Elaine explains that he needs to make the whole muffin. What does this mean? Business bad. Like how many days could it have possibly been? Yeah. Well, maybe like two and uh, not a lot of people are, are coming in. The Corona was not built in a day. Like you really need, you know. You need to give it a little bit more time, guys. Yeah. How's he getting the word out about the muffin tops in 1997? How do you like buy ads and... Yeah, I don't know. You like have first of all, you have a guy on the street with a sandwich board. Mm -hmm. You buy ads in like the village voice. I'm not sure. It's a good question. Yeah. You know, you you sort of try and get some publicity from the post. Maybe do something wacky and the post covers you. Mm, Yeah. I don't know. It's a good question to get that sort of like a 1997 hype going. But Elaine splits open another muffin. She gives Lippman the top and says, "Okay, try this. Uh, And Lippman wants to know, what do we do with the bottoms? Elaine says, "Uh, just give them to a soup kitchen. Uh, Okay, that's a good idea. But they have a little bit of a stumbling block, Keeve, about the name. Of course, the store is called Top of the Muffin to You with exclamation points. Right. Well, it's Top of the Muffin to you or to you, depending on who you're asking. Yeah. Now, Elaine says she doesn't like the name. Do we need the exclamation points? She says it's not top of the muffin to you. Right. I mean, people love throwing in the the extra exclamation points, but I hear it's especially unnecessary. Keith, this is so backwards, unless that we're going for irony here. But back in Elaine's publishing career that Elaine was editing the manuscript for Jake Jarmel. And Mr. Lipman's complaint was that there are too many exclamation points in there. And Elaine did not think that. 
Elaine likes adding exclamation points to sentences. Lipman is anti-exclamation point. How in the world have we gotten to a point where Elaine is telling Lipman no exclamation points and he's saying, no, we need them. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, either the writers got mixed up, they forgot and it's amazing coincidence or they're trolling us. But I'm not sure what the answer is. Why would they be trolling us? Like they're they're just flipping it for fun. I mean, not literally trolling, but they're just flipping it around for fun. I feel like if that was the case, I feel like that there would be some sort of a wink of Elaine like saying like, uh, did is this how you always felt uh, or something like that? If they, if it was intentional, I, my sense is that they knew that there was something with exclamation points and they got it backwards. I think, I think you're right. They didn't have like, uh, you know, Seinfeld scripts.com or anything to double check and they didn't have the tape on them and they just mixed it up. I think and they right. weren't doing a podcast every week about old episodes. No. Yeah. But that to me really stood out. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. People, a bunch of people wrote in and said like, what's the deal? And I just don't have an answer, but it's a good answer. I mean, could we ask uh, could we ask Mr. Lippman? Like, who do we ask this question to? Um, yeah, I think it's a good question for Lippman. It's an OK question for Julia Louis-Dreyfus and uh, a decent question for Spike Ferenstein. Yeah, I think Spike maybe maybe would answer it. Yeah. Is he on Twitter? Spike is on Twitter. OK, believe, maybe we yes. can ask him that. I don't think Richard Fancy, Mr. Lippman, is on Twitter. No. He's uh, getting up there in the age. <laughs> getting up there. OK. All right. So back at Jerry's apartment. Uh, Kramer sees the razors on the table and uh, sees that Jerry has bought Lady Gillette's. Why is Jerry buying women's razors? I don't know. To keep with the Kramer theme. Yeah. I mean, uh, that w- is a man's razor too sharp for uh, body uh, hair shaving? I guess. He's very sensitive, smooth skin. Jerry is, uh, you know. I think it's just keeping with the theme of like Kramer finding this. Like, I understand maybe you don't want to like shave your chest with like a Mach 3, but I don't know why a men's disposable razor might be any worse than a woman's disposable razor. No, I don't know either. And I'm, I'm not an expert here. I don't know okay. about women's razors. Uh, so Jerry, uh, that he Kramer walks in and uh, he's gone all the way. You know, kudos to Jerry doing his own stunts here. Um. Yeah, like, is is this really like, the you know, this isn't exactly Daniel Day-Lewis, like, becoming Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. for six months. Yeah. Kramer says, you can't keep this up uh, to Jerry with a uh, shaved chest. Uh, he says, don't you know what's going to happen? Every time you shave it, it's going to come in thicker, fuller, and darker. Jerry says it's an old wives' tale. Keeb, did any of our medical correspondents weigh in to settle this? Uh, no, I don't believe anybody did. We haven't heard from our medical correspondents in a while. Yeah, we haven't had a medical issue. What are you buying or selling that the hair grows in darker and thicker? Uh, or is that an old wives tale? I think darker. No, thicker. I believe it's definitely something that everyone says. So I believe it. Yeah. Um, I, I think that it's just, uh, when you shave, I think that once once you shave it, like I feel like that you're just seeing the end the end of of the hair follicle, and then it's just continuing to grow like from the middle. I don't know if every time you do it, it gets progressively coarser. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, we definitely need like who would know this? A doctor? A would doctor. they know this? Yes, yes. Let's get Mrs. Chester on this. I believe that that would be Doctor Chester if she's a doctor. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that uh well Mrs. uh Mrs. Chester, Mrs. Dr. Chester Dr. Chester, right. Okay. Right. So 
Kramer says, oh, yeah, look at this. And he's wearing like a a robe, a, a short robe, I might add. And he says, look at this. I shaved there when I was a lifeguard. And Jerry says, oh, come on, that's genetics. That's not going to happen to me. Kramer says, uh, or is it already starting to happen? So what is Kramer just taking off his robe and showing uh, his uh, genital region to Jerry? Yeah, as they would have said in 1997, uh, he went the full Monty. The full Monty, is that, uh, or is full Monty too early? I think it's exact year. I think full Monty is the Titanic year, so it's right now. Okay, so there you go. Keeve, um, that so Jerry has never seen Kramer naked. I mean, what what is going on here? I mean, I'm sure he's, they've definitely seen each other before. Yeah, I, I just like I just think within the context of hair, I think it's just like he's never. Jerry's a not looker. George always says he sneaked the peek, right? Jerry says he doesn't pay attention, right? So I, I mean, so that Kramer has some sort of like you know oddity type of of hair issue that's never been addressed before with all these different women that Kramer has, has had through his apartment. Yeah. I'm not sure. I just asked Spike Ferris in our question. Let's see if we get an answer. Okay. Uh, you know, this seems like a kind of a crazy thing to, uh, to introduce, but you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know what, where we go from here. Yeah. No, nowhere. It's just not, we're not going to bring it up again. Okay. All right. Uh, so here comes a woman, uh, Rebecca DeMore, uh, from the homeless shelter. Were they going for a, I mean, Rebecca DeMore, and that's an actor, right? An actress, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they use the famous actress's name, but they clearly were going for it. <laughs> why? I have no idea. I, I've wondered that. I, maybe there's an answer somewhere. Maybe they thought that they would get her to play the role. And they just named it after her. Maybe she, was and like she works a fan in a homeless shelter. I mean, she's famous for uh, risky business. Uh, I guess she well, was they're a- just using her name. She's, there's no connection to right. The I, homeless I, shelter, yeah, it's shelter. like if they had a woman work at the homeless shelter who comes in. Hi, I'm Meryl Streep from the homeless shelter. Yeah, it's just. Uh, oh, but why? I don't know, but we see her again in the bookstore, so we will see Rebecca De, De Mornay again. She was funny. I mean, she comes in uh, like she shot out of a cannon, and she starts yelling about, are you the people that dropped off these muffin stumps for the homeless? Uh, and she says they've never gotten so many complaints. I mean, it seems like I don't want to, you know, take shots at the homeless here, but I feel like it's per- at the very least it's neutral, right? Like if you don't want them, it's I don't think it's an insult, is it? Maybe I don't it know. Is, I actually. think that they were very upset. Like, oh, I think they were probably excited. Like, oh, what's this muffins? And they said, hey, where's the top of this muffin? Who ate the rest of this? Who's muffin? Um, I think <laughs> what does muffin? I think. think um, yeah, I guess if you don't know about the muffin top craze yet, if you have not read about it, word spread slower in 1997, then I could see why they would be offended. They're essentially getting like half a piece of chicken. Yeah. Well, she says, why don't you come drop off some chicken skins and lobster shells? Elaine said, I think I might. Uh, I mean, to some people, that's probably a delicacy. Yeah, you would think so. You could make like a soup, maybe a, a, a bisque out of that. A chicken bisque. Yeah, a lot of people had bisque takes this week. <laughs> Okay, so we see George and Marianne back in George's apartment. Everything is boxed up uh, $2,300 a month. Uh, she's like, boy, ouch. Uh, if you stay here for more than a few months, you're a real sucker. Yeah, we, we didn't get an answer from Chester on how much that would cost per month, but I feel like it would be double. When, in 1997 or now? 
now, like double now, what, what, 2300 that. It would mm. probably be like 4600 Yeah. Uh, she says that it smells like the last tenant had monkeys. I mean, is George normally considered like a bad smelling guy? It's funny, right? I don't ever recall anybody commenting on George's smell previously. Yeah. I mean, he's like, he's a sweaty guy. So it's not like out of the realm. Like it would be weird if Jerry, he was a bad he smelling guy. He likes spicy but, chicken. Yeah. So we see Kramer on the Peterman tour and things are not going well. He's like pointing up to his bedroom window. A woman is complaining about uh, why, if you're Peterman, do you have such ratty clothes? I mean, it's a good question, right? I, I like these are pretty even for for Kramer. These are pretty ratty clothes. Yeah. And then uh, one guy is complaining about the three musketeers. It's small. Do you like three musketeers? Or you don't even like chocolate, so. Uh, I, but but I'm okay with chocolate bars, but I don't I don't care for it especially. No, it's nothing. It's like a chocolate covered nougat. I'm not a nougat guy personally. Yeah. Um. Didn't also George say that if he could take one book to a desert island, it would be Three Musketeers. Yeah, he just said that like a week or two ago. So is this a ongoing callback? Why do we keep uh, bringing Three Musketeers up? It's probably just like in the writer's room. That's like the snack that the assistant was bringing them that week. Okay, so it started off as the snack and then they threw out out as the book title. I think so. I think it's, I, you know, it, it's just on the mind. Okay. They've got Three Musketeers on the brain. So there's also a guy who's nauseous that's on uh, the bus tour. Uh, he wants to get off. Kramer is getting mad. He says, hey, we got three hours left on this thing. I can't drive and argue with you, Rubes, at the same time now keeve isn't this yeah. the same cosmo kramer that not just verbally jousted with somebody but fought off uh some sort of a mugger on a bus and drove that bus and still made the stops he can't even like bicker with these people and drive the bus he's getting older but no i agree he right his it's he's not and he was driving the bus then one it was a bigger bus a city bus and two wasn't even his responsibility but yeah i agree you yeah. should be able to multitask kramer uh, I do like that he is telling them, okay, uh, Newman's postal route is around here somewhere. And he also points out Loma's place of worship is right over here. Right. <laughs> what religion is Lomez now? I think he said Lomez is Jewish in a, in, a, in like season seven now. Okay. I wasn't sure if Lomez uh, had converted to anything uh, since I then. feel like the writers didn't remember, which is why they just say place of worship. <laughs> Again, with Google, uh, it's much easier to write a sitcom now these days. Okay. So... Kramer comes upstairs to Jerry. He's also having a problem with business, much like Mr. Littman. Um, the, what's his problem? He Nobody is coming on. He says uh, that, Jerry, you're a minor celebrity. It could create a, a minor stir if you bring your girlfriend. I mean, this type of celebrity who goes on one of these things probably would not know like a B-list comedian. No, definitely not. Elaine comes up. She's got stump troubles. The sanitation department won't take them. And she's got a truckload. And she's sitting on a mountain of stumps. She wants to know if Kramer could take the stumps on the bus. And Kramer is under the impression that these are amputees. Yeah, I guess the stump was like a bad word for like a what they would call then a vegetable, like a like a Lieutenant Dan type. Oh, my God. Like um, from, I mean, I guess that's what he's trying to say. Does when does Kramer realize she's talking about bags of muffins? <laughs> I mean, I think like off screen right after this. Yes. So is Kramer saying yes to it, thinking that they are going to be paying customers of the Kramer reality tour? Or I think so. Does he, I, I, does initially? He yes. Yeah. But does when he finds out that it's bags of like half uh, eaten muffins, does is he not OK with that or he still is willing to help out? Elaine? Is he just doing Elaine a favor? Right. Or or the muffins paying customers? I'm she's saying sure. that it'll, I'll make it worth your trouble. So I think she's going to pay right. either way. Yeah, I think you're right. 
Yeah. All right. So Marianne comes to Yankee Stadium and uh, George Steinbrenner spots them. Uh, I like that. He's like, "Uh, George, I didn't know you had a girl in here. You should put a sock or a necktie on the door. (laughs) Yeah. What a good what you know, what a goofy like summer thing. Really? Like you got to feel for George here. This could have so easily been avoided. Yeah. And uh, I mean, have we reached wackiest Steinbrenner yet? This is a very wacky like anytime Stein's walking around big Stein. It's it's pretty wacky. Yeah. Also, like. The, it's so dangerous to bring her here because, like, it could be, become very apparent that George has been working there for years, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very dangerous. Uh, so she mentions, like, oh, it's very nice of you to take a chance on a hen supervisor, a Tyler chicken like George. I mean, and Steinbrenner is is so over the top here that he's just like his arms are flailing and he's like uh, moonlighting for Tyler chicken. Pretty impressive, George. Days with the New York Yankees and nights in Arkansas, top flight bird outlet and a hen supervisor <laughs> to boot. I am blown, blown away, blood. <laughs> he's like a really going crazy yeah you're doing a pretty good larry as steinbrenner it's okay it's okay uh on the kramer bus uh jerry is now there with his date why does jerry agree to go on the tour i i mean it makes no sense like I, jerry sometimes will agree to minor favors but this is insane and he takes alex with him and uh they're eating a pizza bagel on a cinnamon raisin uh have you ever had that? A pizza bagel on cinnamon raisin is really one of the most repulsive sandwiches. First of all, cinnamon raisin, I, I've said recently, is my least favorite bagel. It was in my ba- bagel rankings. Oh, when did you do bagel last. rankings? Uh, someone asked me on Twitter okay. uh, for my bagel rankings. And okay. uh, cinnamon raisin was dead last. And Can you share uh, them pe- with us uh, in between season eight and nine? Yeah. I mean, you could just like search my name and like, you know, cinnamon raisin. But yeah, um, I had uh, I think I had sesame one or everything one. I don't know. Hmm. You have to, I had to like Big be difference. feeling the bagels. Yeah, I don't I don't remember. Yeah. But I know cinnamon raisin was last. And the idea of a pizza bagel on cinnamon raisin is like a hate crime. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. And I think one guy has a pizza bagel on pound cake. <laughs> I mean, that, that's yeah. I mean, just the two, the textures are so off. It's gross. <laughs> OK, it's like mixing species. <laughs> All right. So uh, the Peterman reality tour is going. What's with the music on the Peterman reality tour? What is it? I didn't it's like really a banjo, and then it's like stop the tape of I, I don't even know what they're going for. I mean, I think they just want like the most sort of like claustrophobic, like worst thing they could possibly put up there. Yeah, and so uh, Kramer says they're going to make a bonus stop today. They're going to be going to the uh, local repository to haul the muffin stumps. Yeah. By the way, you know, with the with the muffin, like when they said uh, the the muffin stump thing, I feel like that could have been our. Our intro. Here's two guys who've got muffin stump problems. Muffin stump problem? What? That we don't know where to put them? I mean, I don't know. It could, it could work for anything. <laughs> right? Doesn't he say they have they got stump problems? Elaine says that in the apartment. Yeah. I like the idea of stump problems. Stump problems. Okay. Stump money, stump problems, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Steinbrenner is calling into Tyler Chicken uh, to work out a trade. The head of Tyler Chicken is some sort of George Steinbrenner clone who's also like partially a chicken. You think he's partially chicken? I mean, his head is like bobbing up and down like he was like physically impersonating a chicken. Yeah, that is weird, right? But I don't think he's part chicken. Well, what is he? He just works around the chicken and he's like uh, adopted the mannerisms. <laughs> adopts their mannerisms, the like, Yeah, He, he is clearly like acting uh, like uh, doing like a charade of a chicken. It, I, I never, um, you know, I'm not sure. It, I, 
Another, I don't want to. I don't want to like pepper Scott. You know, uh, Spike Ferris with too many questions. But maybe like is <laughs> well, what's the is question? The, is <laughs> is the Tyler Chicken guy pretending to be a chicken? Is he half chicken? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I think or is he just? Can someone else? Uh, somebody else ask that question to him because I don't want to. Like then it'll seem like. You know, it's coming from different places. Maybe okay. it was fun to one of So they try to, they're working out a trade of Steinbrenner doesn't want uh, Costanza there partially. And uh, the Tyler chicken guy says like, hey, if you want him, then I want him. And so he offers a trade. He wants to convert all the Yankee Stadium concessions to all chicken uh, instead of hot dogs, chicken dogs, instead of pretzels, chicken twists, instead of beer, alcoholic chicken. <laughs> I love the alcoholic chicken. Chicken twist, by the way, sounds kind of interesting. It does. Alcoholic chicken does not, Keeve. No, no. I feel like that's a bridge too far. That's why That's why Tyson would not let their good name be used in vain here. Can we imagine for a moment the alternate history where the Yankee Stadium uh, got rid of all beer sales uh, in place of fermented chicken juice? I mean, what would happen? Like they would have they would have to like sell half their players because they had no money from concessions. Yeah. So this would be some sort of a great alternate reality. No, for sure. Yeah, I wish they had done this. <laughs> Any scenario where Costanza ends up with the Yankees, like, probably ends in ruin for the Yankees. Okay. Uh, so Steinbrenner says, all right, I'll have Costanza on the next bus. I mean, it's crazy that he's, like, just traded like this and uh, without his permission. But I guess so can baseball players be traded yeah, like that. Yeah, what a blow to the Yankees to lose Wilhelm and the new Wilhelm uh, back-to-back weeks. I know this. the kid from Bronx Science or whatever is, like, He's, you know, he's probably going to be the new traveling secretary. That was Brian but. Cashman. That's how they got him. Oh, is that what it is? Cashman swoops in now with the with they're missing the two guys. I guess that's that's how it works. Yeah, I just heard uh, Brian Cashman on the radio with uh, Joe and Evan the other day, and they were asking him like, uh, you know, how long? And he said, you know, I've been with the Yankees, you know, twenty years. So uh, I think this is how, where he came from. That's that's interesting. I yeah, I, I feel like Cashman. You know, there was some article about like they, his assistant is a female. There's never been a female GM before. I feel like he's in trouble if if they don't win this year, and maybe they're going to get rid of Cashman if they don't win this year. I think maybe he might be in trouble. It would be nice to have like a female GM there. People are people are into it. Uh, you know, that would be nice, but I don't have to see anyway, Brian. Unless they go like uh, you know forty and uh, you know one twenty two. Oh, from your mouth to God's ears, <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> no, everybody they're falling over themselves. What a good job he's doing. Uh, so Kramer's at the dump. And uh, it's the Jiffy Dump. This is the same guy from Jiffy Park, right? Yes, yes, same guy from last. Okay, uh, is there going to be another Jiffy thing? I don't believe there's a third Jiffy thing. Uh, there's at least not him again. Okay, uh, I do like it though that we have taken the uh, the Jiffy brand. Like this is something that you would never catch. I think if you were not like uh, either a obsessive Seinfeld fan or doing a rewatch of the show. Right. This is something that now it's on the internet, so you come across it maybe. But like, yeah, it just watching it for the first time, it would be hard to really. You'd have to see these episodes back to back to put it together. Yes. Why does the guy at the dump not let Kramer throw away the stumps? So in the inside look, Kramer, uh, Jerry Seinfeld says that there's this idea in sort of slapstick comedy that certain people. This is actually a really good answer for a lot of questions we have during the series. Yes. He loves the idea of certain characters like peripheral characters being evil for evil's sake, like for no reason. They're just going to be a, like a stumbling block for you to like try and do whatever you're doing. Yeah. So this guy's just being mean for no reason. And, and it's actually a smart answer by Jerry. Yeah. Uh, 
So I get why Jerry Seinfeld, the writer of the show, is saying that of it's fun to have characters that are just negative for the sake of being negative. But in the fiction of the show, what mm. is this guy's reason? First of all, the show's fiction? Yes. In the mm. documentary, what is this guy's reason for not allowing Kramer to throw away muffin stumps? So I think like a lot of garbage dumps are like mob controlled, right? Yeah. And I think maybe he's looking for some payola and Kramer doesn't realize, you know, you got to pay off this guy. Obviously, for money, he'll let you dump him off. So he Kramer doesn't realize, especially at night, there's no one around. Like you got to, you got to grease this guy's palm if you want to drop off. Okay, well that may, now that that makes sense. Yeah, no, listen, that's the right answer. Okay, so Jerry is in the bus with Alex. She says, "Well, you have a pretty heavy beard. You need to shave again." Uh, yeah, I mean, this idea now, like, and this is really one of my least favorite scenes in a while, but like this idea that like he's just, you know, they've been on the bus for an extra hour, and now he's basically becoming. You know, forget about oh, the werewolf, but just becoming like super hairy is just asinine. Yeah. I mean, uh, I okay, super hairy I can live with. Uh, Jerry turning into a werewolf because he shaves his chest uh, is uh, really, I, I mean, uh, we talked about this a lot when Kramer turned into a dog because he was taking dog medicine, but Jerry... Right. And, but Kramer was not literally a dog, right? Like, <laughs> this is almost more literal. Like, Kramer was just acting like a dog. Right. Um. So Kramer is going to take the bus tour to another garbage dump. Well, I don't know why he needs to, in one shot, do the tour and also dispose of the muffins. Like, I don't understand why he can't just, like, you know, drive around with the muffins and get rid of them after people aren't in the car or the next day. Yeah, I guess it's a good question. What was the emergency why he had to dispose of the muffins that moment? I mean, I guess there would be more muffins the next day. Like, he has to keep doing this. (laughs) That many? They went through a lot of muffins, especially for people who complain that, you know, they don't have any they don't have any business. They seem to have a lot of muffins to dispose of. Yeah. Okay. Uh, George is at the bar that uh, we, you know, is this the bar that's attached to the comedy club or this is just every bar in the Seinfeld universe? It's it's every bar. So it's every bar that we've seen has been the same, basically. And the coincidence of all coincidences happened. The same tourist who was on the street, he said, hey, can you watch my suitcase? Says, hey, aren't you the guy who I asked to watch my clothes? Sure. I mean, I, you know, I lived in Manhattan for like 12 years and you know, you wouldn't run into like family members in those 12 years, but <laughs> this of course guy, they can run into the tourists. Yeah, he's been on a mission to find him. All right. So Jerry is back on the bus with Kramer and he tells Kramer, hey, we got to end this uh, bus tour because Alex can't see me scratch my chest. My chest hair is coming back and I'm itching like crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, I'm not super invested in this scene at that point. But I don't even get like, oh, if my date sees me scratch my chest, then she'll know that I've been shaving it. Yeah, there's, there's just there's nothing's tying up here. I agree. I, I mean, is like, uh, has there ever been like a social situation where it's like, hey, what? Hey, why are you scratching your chest? Are you sh- did right. you shave your chest today? Yeah, I, I can't imagine. Like, at the very least, it would be a minor nuisance to her. <laughs> yeah. And so. Kramer uh, says, you know, he pulls over and he gets off and a full moon comes out and a dog starts barking. Jerry says, I can't sit on this bus anymore. I think I'll go play with that dog. Yeah, it's weird. Does Jerry also live in a world where he's unaware that he has a new girlfriend every week? Like, who cares if he sees her scratching? Like, he'll literally have a new one next week. It was it was discussed at the beginning of this episode that he finds a new girl, like basically, you know, every week. Yeah. 
And so Jerry ends up running off the bus and uh, he finds a tree and he's like rips his chest, his his shirt open to scratch his chest. And he's howling and a dog is howling also. Uh, And Jerry's a werewolf now. Um, I mean, is like, is he literally a werewolf? I guess we'll never know. I think in the show, in the in the documentary of the show. Yes. Yeah. I mean, is this the most ridiculous thing we've had happen? Boy, it's close. I mean, it really is. Um, is this like so over the top that it's almost not canon, though? Yeah, I, I have to feel like that. This this is be a good question for Jerry. I mean, does Jerry actually become a werewolf? Like, what does the full moon have to do with it? Like, I know that they're trying to recreate. You know, this is an homage to like werewolf movies, but why is Jerry a werewolf just because uh, he shaves his chest and the full moon comes yeah, out? Yeah, I'm going to pretend like this scene never happened. Yeah, I, I, I would too. I think even at the time it aired, I'm like, what? What, what is it? What? what? What's happening here? The writers are getting a little too frisky. I, I, again, I'm a big fan of season eight, but there's a couple things that, you know, let's tone it down. Let's let's stay in the realm of, uh, of you know, realistic okay. things. That Luckily, uh, that, that's not the final part of the episode. We have a pretty uh, a funny tag with a lot of stuff going on. So Marianne comes to the bar looking for George. Uh, we see George. He's in the bathroom talking on a payphone, uh, the old uh, bathroom payphone. And uh, he's talking, Jerry, you got to bring me clothes down here. I lost my job with the Yankees. I'm standing in the men's room on 43rd in my underpants. And she just says, I told you this city would eat you alive. <laughs> what a witch she is. She just leaves. Uh, yeah, that is mean. I didn't think about that. She doesn't even go to get him pants or for him anything. Yeah. It's almost like you didn't trust me. I told you you couldn't hack it here and you still moved here anyway. She's supposed to be like, that's literally her job is to like help out. Tourists. No, he's not a tourist anymore. He's a citizen. That's true. That's true. She no longer. Not has my to problem. Happen. Not my department. Okay. Uh, so Elaine is with uh, Mr. Lippman, and Elaine sets this up. Uh, they call him the cleaner. He makes problems go away. And we see what? What is this? Like a Porsche pull up? Yeah. This is a this is a clear Pulp Fiction. Uh, yes. Homage. Yes. Homage. As you say. The uh, Harvey Keitel character, uh, the Wolf. Uh, here is uh, the cleaner. Uh, and I really do think this is funny that he walks in and he says, all right, where are they in the back? Uh, he needs an eight ounce glass and he walks in and uh, pulls out like a briefcase full of bottles of milk and he's just going to start eating the muffin stumps. Yeah, it's really funny. It's a good tag in the episode. Keeve, now, where does this go from here? What happens to Top O the Muffin? I mean, like many other small businesses, it just goes out of business, I think. So it seems like business was going well with Elaine. It seems like that they solved the muffin stump problem. I'm just not sure why the business seems to have faltered. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's one of life's great mysteries. But we will see Lippman again, but not as a muffin store owner. Yeah. What do you think happened here? I mean, listen, it's a small business. They didn't even have a license. They got it up so quickly that, you know, like what... Like at a certain point, what, you know, what are you going to do? Does and Newman by the way, sick? maybe, maybe Elaine gets bought out and maybe the muffin store continues off, you know, off screen. Well, that would be something. Because we see Lippman. I, I don't think we know his new job at the at when, you know, his kids bar mitzvah and certainly now. So I don't know. I don't know, like for sure that the store doesn't exist. But listen, the city's littered with with store, you know, food stores that are open for six months and then go away. Yeah. And it seems like a good idea. But I think that Newman gets like uh, a dozen muffin stumps down. I think he taps out. 
Um, yeah, he definitely does not eat that whole box. Newman, competitive eaters don't usually look like Newman. <laughs> okay, Keeve, uh, let's talk about everybody's uh, story. Okay, Elaine has the title of the episode, uh, The Muffin Tops. Uh, I think it's pretty memorable. Uh, I don't know if there's anything uh, to complain about here for Elaine's storyline. No, Elaine's storyline to me, I mean, we're almost like, you're almost underrated because it's such a classic in, you know, in, in like just the lore of like this idea of muffin tops. I give it an A. Muffin top, muffin stump. I think that both of those things are still uh, referred to by people. I don't know how much they were in 1996. So uh, an A for Elaine. George is a tourist. Uh, George the tourist, I really like it. I even like we didn't discuss like the fact that he like goes to like redoing his own apartment. Yeah, um, you know, like where he really should have said like, yeah, I, you know, I had help and I moved this morning when you weren't here. Um, I like that. So I also give this an A. I think it's like a funny original storyline, even though there's not like any home run amazing jokes in it. I'll give it an A minus just because that uh, not a great reason why George continues to wear the uh, tourist clothes, uh, you know, or why he even starts in the first place. But I do think that the home run joke is at the end when she when she sees him in the bathroom, says, I knew the city would eat you alive. That is a great joke. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kramer and the Kramer bus tour. Um, again, it's like in hindsight, it drags and, and, you know, it's connected some not so funny stuff. But the first time you're seeing the muffin tops and the first time you're seeing the bus tour, it's just so funny. And like, if you know what's going on, especially like the meta aspect of the joke, it's it's like really smart. So I'll give this an A minus. A minus. I'll give it a B. I think it's a funnier joke, you know, when you know the Kenny Kramer storyline. But in terms of like what's in the episode, I don't think it's really a a slam dunk. And what about Jerry with uh, shaving his body hair? I mean, a D minus. D minus. Doesn't do anything for me. I mean, I I could see if someone said, you know, the storyline is fine. I wouldn't really like it's not the worst thing ever. So just the to me, it doesn't go anywhere. And then it ends on such an absurd note with the with the werewolf. But maybe that's for some people and they like it. Yeah, I'll I'll be a little kinder about it. I'll give it a C minus. The ending is so absurd, but I do think that there are some uh, funny moments along the way. I like when Jerry is like really sheepish and is like, uh, I did something stupid. Uh, And, uh, you know, he has to explain to Kramer what's going on. So, I'll give it just a C minus. Mm-hmm. All right, Keith, the muffin tops for you. Uh, is it top O the rankings for you or is it more of a stump? I'll say that you have it at 55. I'm actually a little higher on it. I just think like in terms of like how funny it is, it's not the funniest episode, but there's so, like George getting traded. I remember like it was such a big deal. Even like when I saw it, I was like, wow. And and the muffin tops and the Kramer reality tour, like all these things were were such like an instant sort of like iconic like pop culture moment. So I have it all the way up at number 31. Okay. For Mike Piazza. There you go. Yep. Uh, another great trade in the history of baseball. Yeah. I believe. Is is that also 1997? No, I think it's 98? 98. Yeah, I think you're right. I I, rem- I definitely remember I was where um, when Piazza got traded. My friend, uh, childhood friend correspondent Andrew and I were driving up to his house in the country with his dad. And we found out on the radio. Um that my and it was like the best day of my life yes. when the Mets traded for Mike Piazza. Yes, uh, ninety seven was marked by a, uh, a a lousy deadline trade of the uh, last week's uh, aforementioned uh, Mel Rojas. Yeah. I believe Hunley got hurt in 97. Uh, uh, and I think he got hurt in, in 98, which made... Or the, 90, the, at the, I guess the beginning of 98, which precip- like brought a rap yeah. about the trade. I think okay. you're right. All right. 
Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com is the email address. Uh, got a lot of good questions. Johnny DeSavera starts off by saying, the dog in the park is actually a Chinese crested, not a Mexican hairless. Yeah, who I definitely don't know that stuff. Yeah, I'm not a dog breed guy. What about Craig from Vancouver? He says, this episode marks the end of George's time with the Yankees for, such, for an arc that was so big for the show where either of us surprised that it ended in such an abrupt and lame duck way. Yeah, it's an interesting question from Craig. Yeah, you know George's had this job for a while now, but I, I at the time like my mouth was like a gape, like I was like I can't believe George just got traded. Like I, I like you know is he going to have the job next week? Like I hope he comes back. We didn't know that Steinbrenner was gone. It's worth mentioning also that Larry I think got annoyed with you know the fact that he wasn't writing the scenes anymore, which is probably why George loses the job because Larry does not want to do Steinbrenner anymore. Yeah, so I, I imagine that came first. Like if you could have Larry in the show. There's no way they write off Steinbrenner. Right. Because I think that the season nine George job, what is he? He works for the what, what's the name of the company? Well, it's the like toys a, company, yeah, the play toys company, play toy. Like, I feel like that they never had a good angle on that. No, clearly they would love they would have loved to keep the Yankees, you know, basically for the rest of the series. But when Larry's out, you're not going to have the Yankees without without the big Steiny. Yeah. OK. Lindsay says, what are your favorite muffins? And do you agree that the top is the best part? The top is the best part of the muffin. That is. Uh, but I, I don't mind the stump so much. No, I don't mind the stump. Sometimes like the ridges on the outside could get hard. And then I throw out the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my favorite, I think, is blueberry. I mean, I, I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, raspberry is OK, but I don't have a lot of raspberry muffins. No, I'm not into the raspberry. What about chocolate chip? Oh, you don't even like chocolate. No, I don't do chocolate. To me, that's like gross. Yeah. yeah. Uh, chocolate chip is good. As long as you do like a chocolate chocolate chip. I mean, that's almost like a cupcake. That does. It looks like a cupcake. And to me, like you couldn't pay me. Yeah. Um, that's good. You know, I mentioned Bran earlier. I mean, uh, I don't think there's a lot of bad muffins that are out there. Uh, no. She also wants to know if anyone's ever stolen a good idea from you. Probably. I mean, uh, I feel like that there's a number of different ideas I've had on like podcasts. Well, you, and stuff. Yeah, you invented podcasting and other people co-opted that. Well, so, no, right I, I didn't invent podcasting. Oh, I got a good one yeah, for you. I've got right. a good thing someone stole from you. Um, you were famously the bad boy of podcasting. Not, not that famously, I guess. And uh, and the great Alan Septenwall has a new podcast, and his co-host, who I'd never heard of before, Brian Grubb, with yes, two Bs, yes. is calling himself the bad boy of TV podcasting. <sighs> yes. Um, which is a smaller kingdom than yours, except for the fact that you almost exclusively podcast about television. Right. You know, I, I've debated how mad to get about that. I, I, the, well, can I, can I, can I, can I suggest the level of madness? Yes. Not mad at all. Yeah. Yeah. Again, <laughs> it's hard to get mad at, at somebody who stole your idea, who doesn't know you exist. So there's no way. Right. Like Seppenwall probably knows you exist. Oh, he does. But that, yeah. He, that, I've, I've met him uh, before that. Uh, yeah. And he is a, uh, a pioneer uh, in, um, you know, I, I love the Television Firewall and criticism. Iceberg podcast, but 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 he's a you know pioneer in you know TV recapping, um, definitely, and uh, really is probably the most you know uh, famous person in that space. So um, you know, if if maybe if if he was uh, co-hosting with somebody else that I didn't have so much respect for, maybe I might make a make a stink about it. But um, you know, you just but also like it's not in your bio, right? Your bio does not say the bad boy of TV no, podcast. No, 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 no. No. Like if it did, then you could be like, hey, that's mine. But like, how would they know unless they actually listened every week? It's not like you call yourself that every episode. Not every episode. Also. Right, right. But uh, I mean uh, that the uh, the OG uh, fans know what's up. Right. So and, maybe and, we and should maybe know should... that my jokes have been appropriated. Right. Maybe you should make shirts and then we could be like, hey, like we got shirts, you know, 
You don't have shirts, grub. Get off our lawn. <laughs> yeah. Again, I, I don't want to pick a fight with uh, with somebody. It's like a it's a bad luck to say like you know if somebody has the same joke, uh, say you stole it from me, and then that person says no, I I didn't know you exist. Right. Yeah. No. That is that's how every like stand up comedy beef goes, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So what what are you gonna do? But um, you know, it it, it, it I, I wasn't thrilled. I, I hear you, but at the end of the day, like. Yeah, yeah. I, you, you didn't see me make a fuss about it. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. I did not. I brought it up, not you. Okay. What does Max the Millennial want from us? Uh, was the tag with Newman supposed to be a Pulp Fiction reference? Uh, yes. Uh, and uh, Akiva, you've seen Pulp Fiction. I sure have. I've seen it. It took me like twenty years to see the whole movie. I always saw like parts of it, but I have seen it. Yes. Okay. Uh, and you like it? Yeah, it's a very good movie. Okay. I like Quentin Tarantino. All right. Uh, Pat in Ohio wants to know, couldn't Mr. Lippman and Elaine have tried to sell the muffin stumps at a reduced price? I mean, is there any market for muffin stumps, though? I mean, uh, that how cheap is it? Is it a quarter for a muffin stump? Yeah, I guess that would have to be or like, yeah, 10 for a dollar. Just like they're literally trying to get rid of them. Yeah. So I think that that would be fine. But I think that probably it makes the other stuff seem way more expensive. Like, I'm not paying like four. Right. Right. Then you're like, top. right. It might it might bite into your profits of the muffin tops. If you're if you're giving away the bottoms for free, it's better to throw them out, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Caleb has a question, Keeve, about uh, have either of you pretended to do something just to get a girl's attention? Hmm. I mean, that's a good. I, I can't think of anything. I mean, th- did you go on TV to get girls' attention? I don't know if, if I would say that I pretended to go on TV. Right. You didn't pretend to do anything. Um, right. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that I pretended. I pretended to not be a sports fan to, so because I knew my wife wasn't into sports mm-hmm. until like because I was in summer camp and I wasn't like watching games every night anyway. So I like was able to get through the summer and then like spring it on her at the beginning of jet season. Like, oh, by the way, it's like you're not going to see me again for, you know, essentially the rest of right. my marriage. If anything, I pretend to do more things now. You're pretending you mean you're, you have like a lot of balls in the air that you're juggling. <laughs> right. Like, uh, hey, uh, can you go and, uh, you know, uh, you know, wash this dish and like, uh, OK, let me just. And you pretend to wash no, dishes. I mean, I'm, that I'm sure there's like, uh, you know, I pretend to uh, listen to things or, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of things that I'm just pretending to do. Right. Like I'm not I'm not even doing a podcast now, according to her. I'm supposed to be doing our taxes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, probably doing more pretending now. What about Dan, the benefactor? Um, I, but I also like his question. If if uh, if everything we've accomplished was condensed to one day, would it look impressive? Caleb's question. Um, like I, the idea that someone could take like 10,000 naps in a day would be very impressive. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell says you're not an expert napper until you've done 10,000 naps. Yeah, I'm there. Dan the Benefactor says he sees a lot of tourists walking around San Francisco with paper maps. What is wrong with these people? Um, maybe are they like tourists? Like sometimes you have a like and your smartphone old? doesn't work. Yeah. yeah, are they old people? Are sometimes like you're overseas, you don't have like data yeah. when you're outside. So like maybe they need to bring a map. I don't know. Is that like a trendy thing to do? Get a paper map? Maybe. Maybe it's like the hipsters in San Francisco have paper maps. Why don't you just ask them, Dan? So everyone's yeah. supposedly friendly in San Francisco. Just ask them why they have maps. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Give maybe them a phone, Dan. You're the benefactor. Hand them a phone and say, here, you, you know, there's no more maps. 2017. Yeah. He's too busy waiting for Daniel Murphy updates to come in. No, there's nothing. There's no update. He's just getting a hit every time. He's, <laughs> he's, he's waiting. He'll give them a map when he's when Daniel Murphy, you know, finally uh, gets out once. Okay. Are you ready for Chester? Uh, yes. Okay. Chester, breaking news. He just emailed in. Yes. Okay. Uh, less than an hour ago, Chester, with bullet points, uh, says, why does George need to see the menu at Monk's? We know he's memorized it. 
Yeah. By the way, when I go through the emails, I like take out the bad questions beforehand. <laughs> yeah. Just letting you know. <laughs> okay. So also then uh, he wants to know, what is SpectraVision? Now, this is something that George says to Marianne. Hey, do you want to come back to my hotel room? They have SpectraVision. First five minutes are free. Now, is this pornography? Yeah, of course. And it's weird because on the most recent episode of 32 Fans, Chester tells a story about being in a hotel with like and seeing a movie called Women in Black, which was like a parody of Men in Black. Yes. Um, so like he definitely knows what this is. So I don't know. I don't know why he's, he's playing dumb here. This Chester. Well, okay, so this is maybe like a long con in case uh, Mrs. Chester, a uh, doctor. No, Chester. I th- maybe he's just never heard of SpectraVision. Okay. All right. Uh, Kramer shows off his uh, chest hair off screen and as if it's horrifying. We've seen his bare chest many times. Oh, uh, poor, innocent, naive Chester. Yeah, no, we definitely have seen him without a shirt, but I guess he's just, you know, he's let it go now. Well, but Chester is saying that Kramer is showing his chest hair to Jerry off screen. Uh, oh, and I we're think, saying, oh, yeah, it's not that's not all he's showing. Yeah, I agree. Yes. OK, um, because Chester says, how dated is Jerry's concern about the fact that he shaves his chest? Supposedly, that's the norm among millennials. Yeah. And you're a millennial, Chester. You're a self-proclaimed millennial. So yeah. is that what you do? Uh, well, again, I don't think that anybody is shaving their chest short of like a swimmer with with a razor. I don't think that people are, I think that a uh, people have like clippers that they're using. Speaking of hair in Chester, I, I had a big uh, hair revelation when we did our live uh, in-person podcast yes. last week. Yes. What was it? Yeah, I, I, well, we got into a debate, Chester and I, what would be, what would be worse to be going gray or to be balding at the age of 33? Yeah. And what was the answer? I noticed some, I noticed some specks of gray on uh, Alexander's head. Yes. Okay. Well, the answer is obviously you'd rather be gray than balding. <laughs> right. He could dye his hair. I can't like, I would have to like, it's a lot. Of, it's a much bigger deal for me to like have like Rogaine or something. Are you gray shaming work. him? No, I noticed live on the podcast. Okay. I mean, I guess I was then, but it was like, I, you know what it was? It was like dark in the restaurant. So I'm like, your hair looks really gray. And then he was like, yeah, my hair is gray. And then I went over and I looked. So I guess I am gray shaming him. So I'm, I apologize. Should we take this out? Uh, I, you know, I, well, if you're, it was in the other podcast. podcast. Yeah. We already did it. That's did why he I take it out of the podcast it. that you did? Oh, he didn't take anything out. Of okay. But you could be like, it was very noisy. We were just in a bar with music playing. Okay. It was, it was hard to hear. Well, but we got to tell Kenny I, Kramer to lower the music when we do the tour. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I didn't. Listen, a bold guy can't hair shame anybody. So I feel like he deflected and basically was like, listen, I'd rather be me than you. Chester says, isn't the guy who complains about the pound cake, the electrician in the Frogger episode? Yes. Yeah. Same guy. Shlomo. Okay. But is he supposed to be the same character? Uh, I don't think there's a name here, so I guess, but, you know, again, they reuse a lot of characters. It's not clear. Chester is on board with what kind of terrible woman dumps George in that situation? Yeah, I mean, that's like, how could you not be on board? Like, this is an awful move. At least, like, you could dump him, but you at least have to get him out of this pickle here. Yeah. And then finally, between the absurdity of the inability to dispose of garbage until Newman eats it all and Jerry turning into a werewolf, this is the most preposterous episode of the series, right? I mean, that's definitely the most preposterous scene. I think yeah, I would need I think, to see sort of laid out. Here are the options of the most preposterous. I agree. If someone wants to write in with the five most preposterous, that's a good that's a good list for for you know people to mailbag in next. And week. I have we'll a feeling that. that three of the five are yet to come. Yes. Yeah. It's so far. Give us the top five and then we will update the power rankings as we see fit in season nine. Okay. Correct? Good job. All right, Keeve. Uh, what's the hashtag today? Manhandled? Yeah, we could do manhandled. That's good. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, stump, the, what about stump troubles? I, I kind of like stump, stump troubles. Okay, why, we, or stump <laughs> problem, uh, we said. Yeah, it's not bad. Okay. All right, uh, let's go with that. All right, so uh, next week, the season eight finale, Keeve. Can you believe it? Yeah, we. Got, it's the summer of George. Um, it's really, at this point, you know, we're just, we're just winding down the days. It's season nine will be here before we know it. There's no season 10, so we will be done at some point in September yeah. with this podcast. We're closing in you on know. the summer of Robin Keeve. Summer of Robin Keeve. We're going to throw it all to the wind. We're going to be becoming werewolves. We're going to throw away all realism on the podcast. Shave our chests. Get ready to go. Shave our chests and maybe more. Mail it in. Yeah. Yeah. Very exciting stuff. All right. So, Keeve, uh, what's coming up between uh, you and Chester on the 32 Fans podcast? We did some NBA picks this week, and Chester told like a completely insane story that I recommend checking out. Okay, check that out. Look for 32 Fans on iTunes. Of course, uh, we appreciate it. If you want to get in for the final season, we're, we're closing the doors. Uh, no new listeners are allowed after next That's week. That's right. That's right. We're not plugging the show in any forum. Uh, there's going to be like a password to get on. If you're, if you've w- been with us since day one, you're safe. If you're listening now, you're good, but we're not accepting any new listeners for season nine. Okay. Postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes, postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Uh, we'll still accept your feedback and star ratings on iTunes along the way, but, uh, no new listeners after next week. That's right. That's a good plan, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look. What could go wrong? No, literally nothing. I like. I, I, it would be funny if like Apple did that. Like, if you've bought an iPhone before, you can keep buying them. But if not, this is the club. You're and if you're not in it, you're out. Yeah, no, that's it. It's officially we're gr- grandfathering everybody in. No new listeners after uh, next week. Mm-hmm. Last what chance. if my grandfather wants to start listening? He's grandfathered, he grandfathered in? in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre who edits the Seinfeld Poster recap, and of course thanks to Mike Moore who writes the episode recap. Keeve, can't believe the end of season eight coming up in one week's time. Yeah, we'll do our season rankings next week also. Okay, sounds good. All right, everybody, have a good one. Take care. Bye. Bye.